Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. I am speaking to you <coughs> after... Oh, excuse me. I'm speaking to you live from my home in the southern Chevron Hills. We have a special guest today to speak about Aliyah, trends in Aliyah. I am getting a lot of um, questions. What is going on? How many people are coming? Where should I live? What should I do? Um, what do you advise? And uh, I thought it would be good to bring on a representative from Nefesh Benefesh to answer all our questions and to give us an overview. So I have invited on the show today Mark Rosenberg, who is the Vice President of Diaspora Partnerships. He can give us like a, a view of what we just saw this past year. I think it would be nice to look back over 2022 after Corona and to tell us what we see happening, because I see a lot of interest, a lot of older people and a lot of people going out to the periphery. And um, some people are, are struggling. Some people find it very challenging and other people have it very smooth. So Mark is here as a representative and can tell us what he sees on his end. And I hope we can all learn a lot today from Mark. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. Let's just dive right in. Sorry, I swallowed water. It went down the wrong pipe right as I started the show. Um, today, it seems like, you know, Nefesh Benefesh is everywhere. Okay, you guys do seminars, webinars, job training. You have a portal for finding jobs. You have um, a lot of seminars, even in America. Um, I, I've seen these in different places, and you can sign up and get a lot of your Alia paperwork done, even on the ground before you even get on the plane. So it seems to me you've you've really made it. It's just extremely easy. So when people complain to me that it's hard and it's frustrating, I, I really don't know what they're talking about. But you know. What are some of the things, the hurdles that uh, you see that maybe you can share with our our listener, our listeners, giving them a little uh, a little push to to get things going in the right direction? Okay, great. Well, I think that it's actually uh, to cap to capitalize on what you said. It's easier than ever to make aliyah. I think that's one to say, but it's still difficult, and therefore you have to approach it. Uh, you have to approach it carefully and strategically. And if you do that, it's definitely a better recipe for success. There are two major. There are two major areas that everyone needs to consider, and sometimes some people put one topic more important than the other. The two topics are the technical um, application paperwork that's needed to immigrate, and the second aspect is the planning. Where are you going to live? What are you going to do? Finances, language, all those factors. So some people say, "Oh yeah, I got a job. It's great. Or I'm retiring. Everything's wonderful." But they haven't sorted out, you know, their birth certificate and they might have a name change or they're, they're in Israel and they can't get a copy of the birth certificate. And they're not going to be able to finish the process until they get all the technical paperwork. And then there's some people who do all the technical paperwork and they do their criminal background check and they get the rabbi's letter, whatever's needed. But and they've been approved by the Jewish agency. But only at that point are they like, oh, what community am I really going to live in? And that slows them down. So it, it really depends on what aspect uh, you might see or your listeners might say is, what is the obstacle I'm going to need to overcome? So it's it's hard. You know, we live in the greatest of times. It's amazing. And I mentioned it was easier than ever to make Aliyah. And one of those factors is the Internet and it's Zoom and it's these social media groups because you're no longer disconnected. And you can right. find out what's, what's the latest school supplies or what's the best <laughs> English speaking doctor if you have a problem with your big toe on your left foot and who's the best English speaking doctor for a big toes on left foot. You can get that information very, very quickly, mm -hmm. but it, it, it comes to really sorting out 
and knowing what's going to be your specific obstacle, what's going to hold you back from your potential success where people get stuck. And that's sometimes on a technical level and it's on a planning level. Okay, well, that sounds to me that uh, people should just be organized, keep a folder, you know, and work both ends at the same time as best they can or do it with their partner. So that's that's true. If you, if you work with a partner, if you, I mean, that's the idea also of the Nefesh Beneficial Advisor. They're able to guide you on that point. I think that you know there's a there's a beauty in Aliyah, and as someone who moved here, it's hard to believe 21 years ago this summer. It's going to be it's it's an amazing, amazing privilege. It's a dream come true, and it's it's really, really wonderful. And we have a special word for it that that connotates an ascension, a higher spiritual realm, moving to a greater a, a greater place, and that's really, really wonderful. It's also immigrating. And when I speak to people who have immigrated to America and then they're thinking about moving to Israel, um, they get it. They, they know that they're going to have to authenticate their identity. They know they're going to have to do X, Y, and Z, and it's going to have to maybe have to do it twice, and it's going to be a little bit difficult. But sometimes people forget that this process of, of, of immigrating, of confirming your identity for the interview can be cumbersome. And, and, and it slows people down because they think they're like, hey, I'm Jewish. I'm a member of my synagogue. Oh, they're going to accept me right when I get off the plane is, well, if your name is, you know, your name changed or, you know, you can't, you know, the, you're not going to get a rabbi from a recognized synagogue who's going to write the proper words on the letter. They're going to be suspicious that maybe you're not who you say you are. And mm-hmm. that can be a frustrating stumbling block, but it's, it's, it's legitimate because there's identity theft today. There unfortunately are people who take people's identity and they will print out driver's license and they'll, they'll take people's social security numbers and they will manipulate that. And it happens in Israel as well. So there's a suspicion in the system that makes people really authenticate their birth certificates and marriage certificates and make sure that the, the, the rabbi's letter is updated. You're like, I was Jewish three years ago. Why do I need a new letter for my rabbi, you know, with this year's near on it? Because the, the, the government officially wants to make sure that, you know, you, you're kosher for the system because other people have taken advantage of it. And that sometimes causes a little heartache for people. Yeah, a lot of heartache. And it's, it's a shame that a few bad apples ruin it for everybody else. Um, <clears throat> but this is society today. And it's society it, today. It's just like you, I, I tell people, they're like, oh, why do I need this? I'm like, well, you, you know, you have a driver's license. If you get pulled over by the police officer, police officer in New Jersey, they ask you for your driver's license. You say, you know, I've been driving for 15 years. They say, please, can I see your license? So when people say, oh, but my passport is, you know, uh, you know, it's not renewed or it's expired, you know, at three months, they, they want something legitimate. Some of these requests are not too crazy, but they frustrate Olim because they have this passion to come and they're so focused on coming that they, they, they can't always skip over steps and you have to have that deliberate attention to it. And that if you are able to have that deliberate attention, you'll you'll succeed and, and, and not get not get stuck in the forest of, wow, I, I really need to get my birth certificate. Yes, you need to get your birth certificate the, unless you were born in a displaced persons camp um, or fled Iran. And it, it takes a few months for those people to certify that they indeed fled Iran or were born in a displaced person camp. You're going to need to provide a birth certificate. Right. Right. Maybe maybe it's that people think uh, because they're Jewish um that's enough or maybe they think that israel is lax when it comes to these kind of rules and maybe at one time they were and it was much easier when i made aliyah we didn't have to i don't recall these these uh strict measures but um in other areas of the world you know i am a trademark attorney and we have i know about certifying documents forever you know different countries different uh different 
stamps of approval to authenticate things, apostilles, you know, these are not foreign words to me. So when people get um, excited, it's just bureaucracy. And if you've never been in that world, if you've never been dealing with documents and maybe some people have never even filed their own taxes, you know, this is just normal. This is normal. It's bureaucracy. It's it's government. It's it's not cumbersome. It's it's actually very organized. It's um, true. I think it's 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 also very normal. Um, the DMV, you know, it's, the right. DMV, it's in America. It's you know, it's similar to Misrata Pinim here in their right. attitude of public, of public service. Um, and I think it also it's a, there's a beauty to it as well because it grounds grounds the Olim that this is a real place. It's not Disneyland. Right. And it's not right. like oh my goodness, I'm going to walk down. Ben Yehuda Street with my frozen yogurt in my hand every single day, and it's going to be really – you need a driver's license. You need to prove you've been driving for five years if you're going to flip it over. These are real-life decisions. They're, well, they're adult, yeah, and it's a real adulting. country. <laughs> yeah, like We have you know, st- standards here. So sometimes, sometimes that Disney World effect has has a trend that people are like, oh, uh, it's it's just easy. The other factor, and this is, I mean, this, this is a contradiction we say at Nefesh Benefesh sometimes, is that you know you, you must know this. Every we say to people in Israel, everything's negotiable. You know, mm-hmm. you know that you're at the bank, you're at the you're at the supermarket, you can negotiate things. Sometimes things are not negotiable. So it's it's a it's a tough stand when 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 you hit that wall and you try to negotiate it, but you're really at the end of the negotiating point. So sometimes you have to know that. Uh, this is what you have to do. And sometimes they'll be able to like, okay, considering this, you have to have that. But if, the, if they're asking you for a doctor's letter because of something you put on your own health declaration, then you need to get the doctor's letter. And it, it, and it, it, it sometimes pushes people off a little bit, but it, uh, we try to encourage people to realize that this is, these are necessary steps because it's, it's, it's in your interest to know that you're going to get that type of health coverage. I mean, one of the basic questions that you can, you can get denied for Aliyah is if you're not able to make the flight. They want to know that they, they, they don't they want to make they want to know someone's healthy enough to survive the flight. Oh, so, you mean you? Oh, when you say make the flight, you mean? No, I'm saying survive the flight. Unfortunately, there are I'm talking like about maybe a handful of people each year, and they're in a situation where they have to get a special letter from the doctor that they they are healthy enough to make an 11 hour flight from North America. Um, it, it's 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 a health issue. It's a health issue for the airlines. They they are not looking. To have people pass away on uh, on sure. the plane, so yeah. it, it's it's a it's a situation that these are, these are normal standards, and sometimes it can be bureaucratic, and that's where it's it's uh it's our privilege to intervene or advocate for people if if they have certain circumstances. But sometimes people get simply frustrated by saying, "Oh my goodness, I'm I'm living in New York, but I was born in Arizona." I was like, "Yes, you need to get an Arizona birth certificate. That's that's where you're from, and the, the, that that's how that's how it works." Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you have to you have to be able to temper the enthusiasm and uh, with with the realism. Oh, that must be very hard to be a counselor and to hear these people who have such high hopes and you hear it turn to frustration and probably to anger. Um, it's it's hard. It's hard. And uh, I wish you luck with that. Um, <laughs> we're going to take a break soon. I want to get to the the happier part of Alia when we get back. And I, it's very interesting that you just kind of did a lead in, but I wanted to discuss how people are older today, making Alia older people. And it's normal. It, it happens a lot. Retired age. Um, and it seems to be a trend. So let's get into that when we get back and we'll cover some of the other topics as well. OK, stay with us, everyone. Please keep listening to Returning Home on Israel News Talk Radio. I'm Israel.
Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We're talking today with Vice President of Diaspora Partnerships from Nefesh Benefesh, Mark Rosenberg, um, who is telling us he made Aliyah 21 years ago. Um, and we've just been talking off the air about the unfortunate um, addition of, what do we say? It's another, it's another uh, <laughs> layer that people have to go through having this criminal background check, how years ago it was it was uh, not the way it is today. It was a select few. They would evaluate you first and then um, see if they needed to press further and actually get that background check. But today all Olim are required to have a criminal background check because identity theft is so widespread. Um, Mark was just telling us uh, a little bit about that. Any Anything I missed there, Mark? Well, I, I have people. I always tell they have to understand why why these forms are being asked for as part of the process. They're they're not they're not random. They're not trying to torture you. Again, about the rabbi's letter, it doesn't matter if you feel Jewish or you've been Jewish and you're 80. You still need a, a letter from the rabbi to state that they know you're Jewish to a Jewish parent, and that that's the way they authenticate. There's a, a story of a great American rabbi who walked into Misrata and was like, you know, that book of rabbis I helped edit. They said, please come back with the letter of the, you know, of the rabbis. Everyone has to meet that standard. Yeah. So it, it's, 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 once you understand that, you understand that the qualifications, and that's why starting in advance um, releases the pressure. Right now it's June of 60%, 55% of all Olim come in the, in the summertime, June, July, and August. So it's a high pressure time. And those people who woke up June 1st and said they want to come for the first day of school, September, really started very, very late. And sometimes you, those are the people who are screaming the most because they have to run around like a crazy person to get these documents to meet the deadlines. As opposed to most people, 80 percent of the people start nine to 10 months before the summer. The September, they're already gathering documents, have their interview in January. They're approved when it comes to March and therefore they're easing to the summer, packing up their stuff without the stress of approval. So if you start farther in advance, you're more likely to reduce the stress and the panic of, I'm missing this document, what else do I need to do? Right, especially when it comes to families with children. Um, yeah, this is a big move. So you don't do it, it's not like uh, when you're single and you don't owe anybody anything. It's not just taking care of yourself, for sure. You, you would plan anything, you would plan any move far in advance. Israel's Absolutely, especially immigration as well. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of this term, uh, Mashiach suitcase. Have you heard of the Mashiach suitcase? No. So this, this, this. I've heard this actually before I made Aliyah, and and it comes up every now and then. Some people have this idea that they have to always be ready uh, to move to Israel in case Mashiach comes, and they keep, it's it's like the it's like the Mizrach sign in their house. They remember, you know, that you know which direction to face. You know, they put a sign of a picture of Jerusalem up on their wall. That, that reminds them. So some people keep a suitcase, but they're remembering that, you know, Mashiach's going to come and, and they put inside the things that they would want to bring with them. Obviously, you're going to have your passport in there because you're going to have to travel uh, on it. So what I tell some people who have this idea that, you know, I want to be ready to move to Israel and it's it's going to, you know, the bureaucracy can take a few months is there's no problem getting your birth certificate and your marriage certificate authenticated, get the apostle on the state level and get that rabbi's letter. There's no commitment. Just have them together, and you've already saved several months of getting ready for it. There, there's okay. certain things you need to get within a few months before you make Aliyah, but you need to be You have to have an updated passport. There's no way you're getting on a plane to fly, even on vacation, if your passport has expired. Correct. So similarly, if you're going to think about relocating and moving to Israel and becoming a citizen, you need to make sure that you, you get ahead of the game and get those required documents together. Of course. Of course. That's just, it's ridiculous to think otherwise. Um, 
bureaucracy is slow. It's slow everywhere. It's not just Israel. It's also slow in America. It has become slower ever since Corona. And you got to have everything updated. And we, we have all we have double passports. OK, I've got to constantly I have a chart and I am I mean, not just my passport, our driver's licenses, American and Israeli gun licenses, my lifeguard license, my legal license. I mean, my whole life is licenses. I think that's half what I do. And any professional out there knows that um, it's part of life. You know, it's part of life. And it's just being responsible. OK, let's go on to um, what I was asking about is, do you see a lot of older people coming versus younger people? That, that was my question. So we definitely see we definitely see a trend. Um, again, I hate to use buzzwords, but are you, are you familiar with the term snowbirds? Yes, um, yes, I'm so, from the north. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So those people who are not from the the New York, New Jersey area. They're snowbirds refer to people who live in the Jersey who go down to Florida for the winter. They leave around November, December, and they're there and they move back up. And then there's such things as snowflakes. People who go up and back back and forth to Florida a few times to the year. Actually, I have a Canadian friend. Canadians also go down to Florida for about five months of the year, people who are 55 plusers. Uh-huh. So we, we see a trend, an increasing trend of people over the age of 55 moving to Israel. Some of them are increasingly choosing it as the place that they're splitting their time. Uh-huh. They're, they're, they're saying goodbye to Florida or they're using Florida as their six months of the year and Israel as the six months of the year. Interesting. Um, it's interesting. Significant amounts of these people have children or grandchildren that live in Israel that's causing them right. to split their time. Right. But there is a there is a good population of people who are coming because the quality of life for them to be a retiree in Israel is really, really wonderful. And oh, you see you it. see you see communities popping up in Ashkelon right. as far as north as Nahariya. Netanya right. is known place a known place where uh, where where such people will reside. Jerusalem is still a very popular destination for people, and some people are moving to the suburbs close to their close to their families, in whether it's in Gush Etzion or Beit Shemesh or Mosin. But right. th- this this is a big trend. We're we're seeing lots and lots of questions coming in specifically about you know questions about their social security and their pensions, or more right. importantly about make, making the leap for healthcare and 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 things like that. But it is it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, compliment to the maturity that the state of Israel has become, because it is not just a great place for young people to start up their lives and live in the startup nation. But it's it's really a very, very uh, competitive offering for uh, weather, uh, the, 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 the the just beauty that you have sun and warm for eight months of the year, but also the quality of, of a life uh, for oh, those great. people who are coming here. Yeah, I saw that, too. I, I see that happening. And um it is a beautiful thing. And I just wonder is the are the young people then having a harder time? I mean, it used to be correct. Israel's for children. Come when you're young. Um, is uh, the prices, the housing. I'm, I get a lot of frustrated uh, listeners saying there's nothing affordable. Now, when you're telling me retirees are coming, they're keeping the prices high. Um, what, what do you see in terms of are the young people still coming? Are there young people coming and getting frustrated are the are the older people having a much easier time finding housing so i i have maybe a, a more unpopular opinion about this uh and because i i take a broader perspective on it i think that young people are always upset with the cost uh of housing in most big cities or most popular places uh so it, it is a constant refrain that when you when you look at the micro uh, of this year like oh prices are expensive and then you speak to the same person 10 years later they're like, oh my gosh, it was so much cheaper ten years ago than it is now. <laughs> right. uh, so, so there's a the right. fact of it. And and the other thing that's true is 
it's the Olim, I'm whispering like it matters here, it's the Olim that are sometimes driving up these prices as well. If you look at the if you look at the family places where Olim are moving to, it's, they're the ones who are making those neighborhoods unaffordable. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's a matter is that few people want to be the person in the new neighborhoods. And they want to make the leap to be the person that's going to be the new Beit Shemesh or the new new neighborhood in Mo, the Bukhman and Modi'in or the uh, Afrat, all these places that Yad Binyamin, um, Karmay Gad, all these places that seemed, oh, who wants to move there? And now, it's, of course, everybody wants to move there. The prices go up. So what it leads to people, the desperation of the prices or the being priced out leads to people to start new places. But some people are uncomfortable making that initial leap to be right. there. They'd rather be a follower. Right. They don't want to be an early adapter to it. So right. I, I think that there's always, and we have a national crisis about affordable housing. I don't, I, I don't want to avoid that part of it. That every, Israelis are talking about that, but they're also talking about in the most popular areas of the country. So when they Correct. say that, oh, Correct. it's unaffordable. So Let me, you're you want, right, Mark. You're right. I just you got you, You've been here a little longer than me. We came in 2005, and I remember the same conversation in 2005. I mean, uh, there was a there was a new. You, I wonder if you remember this. Mitzpenutufa was a huh? new yeshuv. Um, when we came and I was on the phone call with Nefesh Benefesh, okay, uh, talking about this new place up north near Katsreen. Are you familiar with it? Yes, of course. I have a colleague who lives there. Oh, great. So I remember them talking about the houses. And to me, it sounded correct. Except I was like, who in the world is going to build a house <laughs> in the middle of a place where you know nobody? First of all, building a house seems like a huge leap, right? Because yep. Americans, you know, they buy houses that are already built. I mean, the, the, the same is about Carmi Gat, okay? Carmi uh-huh. Gat, seven years ago, is is, is right uh, right across the street from Kirat Gat, which is actually in the news today because Intel is about to build another plant there. Okay, so, so it's basically built on sand, like it's, flat it, sand. It's built on sand, but it's it's a it's a whole – it's not even a new neighborhood. It's like a new part of the city. Okay. And they designed it so it's, it's modern and and – the, the group of English speakers started. Let's start a new neighborhood there. Let's let's, let's put, go in there and and some people bought in there. Okay. Okay. Slow down. I want our listeners to hear when you say new neighborhood. Now, this is not Teaneck listeners. Okay. We're not talking about um, two hundred families. When you say new neighborhood, you might t- be talking about five families, aren't you? No. Th- I mean, this is the city. They're talking that they're going to put about a thousand apartments there. Okay, but how many? How many Anglo's? Correct. Correct. So those five people connected. Right. right. Those five people connected <laughs> on the internet mm-hmm. and at meetings, and they got up to ten or fifteen. And those fifteen people made the leap, and they started the Facebook group for whatever it was called, English speakers. And then over time, it, it swelled up to 15, then 20, and 20, and the prices started going up. And people like, and then suddenly people started hearing the term Karmi Gat. And it was oh a crazy, oh, I don't feel me. And then you start hearing it. And now I was just in the U.S. last week, and the people came up to me. I was like, oh, I'm moving to Karmi. You hear people talking about moving <laughs> Hilarious, and I, like, never heard of it. I, I drive by Kira Gat all the time. It's very funny. So, and, 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 it's, and it's forming. The personality is still forming there. And it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's not like, the, you know, when you say, Oh, I'm going to move to the Zayt in Afrat, or I'm going to, you know, move to Buchman. These neighborhoods or Katamon, they have they have a personality you know about. Those people got in early. They took a risk. You know, maybe they were going to have bad neighbors. Maybe you know it, it wasn't going to be nice. Maybe the rabbi of the nearby synagogue wasn't going to be a person who gives a good Devar Torah. There's a lot of fact. There's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But if, for many people, first, it's a good financial investment because you bought early and you could always move. But second is that it, 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 they were they were community builders. Some people want to be the followers. They just rather move to Tina because they know great schools, great people. And that's really, really wonderful. And if they can't afford that, they'll move.
Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sipinski. We're continuing our talk with Mark Rosenberg, who is Vice President of Diaspora Partnerships at Nefesh Benefesh. We could go on forever. As soon as we take a break, we just keep talking. So I'm just going to jump back and try to get where, uh, talk about what we were just talking about off the air. Not not, uh, the last point, but before we were talking about people making plans. A lot of people come here, they make these grand plans. You know, I'm going to live here. I'm going to have the perfect life. And you just dig in. And I and I, I thought Mark said something interesting. He said, if things don't work out there, you can always move. And Mark told me that they discourage moving too much. So, Mark, talk about that a little bit. But let me say this, that if, especially if you're coming with children, you want to do your research to land in the place that makes the most sense so that your kids will be settled. Dr. Phil on American television, I don't even know his last name, but he's called Dr. Phil, says you're only as happy as your most unhappy child. And therefore, you want to reduce the amount of disruptions uh, and rupture in their lives. So you want to do the research about the schools and community that's going to be best for them. We were talk- specifically talking about real estate. And I think that's especially true about real estate that people say, I'm going to go a place, I'm going to buy and move there. Is, it doesn't mean that you've, you've written in blood that you're going to have to live there forever. And that's what I meant by you can always move. Right. That, or you can always move and still keep the house there as an investment and rent it out. It's, right. it's important for people who think about, I want to find a place that's affordable for me. And sometimes what it means, renting might give you affordability. But for mm-hmm. us, someone who's planning on Aliyah, who's between the ages of, let's say, like 25 and, and 45, they, they, the research should guide them into option A or B or C where they want to live. And they should do the research or come and visit that's going to land them in the place. Some people do move. Some people choose Jerusalem first. And after being here for a year or two, they would say, I want more space. I want, and, then, and then they look out to a suburb so their kids can still go to the same schools, perhaps, or they'll move to the schools in the suburbs as well. It's, it's not written in stone. It's important to develop options to understand what those factors. And I'll push back to you about it's hard to get a perfect plan. You want to understand the best options possible. Um, anyone with a family, I always say start with, start with a school first, because if you find a school, then you'll probably find parents who live in a specific neighborhood. And they probably most likely go to a synagogue, and therefore you'll you'll be able to find something from there. Um, and if you're a retiree, then you want to find out, okay, what's going to be the center of your life activities, or is it going to be your synagogue? And you'll be able to build about by there. But you have to realize that nothing is really, really set in stone. But you, but it is a lot of effort. I'd even use the word traumatic to to move your life to the other side of the world to get mm-hmm. in, and and to come. And therefore, you want to make sure that your first Landing is as soft as possible. Right. That, that is true. Um, and I think it's uh, very important not to um, forget that your friends and your family could really be the solution. You know, um, even if you made friends only on the WhatsApp groups or only on Facebook, um, if you have a good connection and you have things in common, like, that's a very smart way to move and a very smart way to choose where you're going to live. It doesn't have to be all about how many bedrooms and what kind of garden. Yes. And now my, my, my number one piece of advice to people is to ask really honest questions. So if, if you do befriend someone in one of these groups, um, at talk, you know, don't ask publicly. Sometimes it's more, it's more comfortable to ask privately, ask people what they like and what they don't like. Uh, we're, we're, once you're once you're in Israel, you're Israeli, and you're very honest about these things. They're like, "Oh, I like this about the school. I don't like about the school. I like this about the community. I don't like this." But you have to ask. You know, ask how much it costs. Ask what the prices are like. 
ask, uh, you know, what else they do to, you know, have fun. But it's important to, to take those contacts and, and be real with them. And as I'm, I'm sure you found that as well with your Aliyah, is those people you meet in the, those first uh, few months, the first few years, they become like family to you. Those are the people that you get together once or twice a year to celebrate your anniversaries or Thanksgiving with or Yom Ha'atzmaut with. Those are the people that you, you still maintain that connection and support system. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we lived in a kibbutz for the first year and I, my best, you know, one of my best friends is still there. And yeah, we go to each other's simchas. Like she's the one who comes. Um, but uh, it's true. It, it's not only asking the, the honest questions, the hard questions, but really, you know, listen, really listen. Um, and uh, keep your eyes open. And I, I think it's very important to be flexible. Um, one Flexib- thing got- flexibility is the most is the biggest virtue of success for Olim yeah. is to have that ability to be flex not to break but to have that flexibility to things are fluid here things are negotiable it's the Middle East the, you know it's, things the temperature can go up and go down you never know what's going to happen politically or, or or domestically or internationally yeah. but that flexibility is 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 a virtue and it's really wonderful I actually have a, back, a background in, in in teaching English as a second language. And it's a sign of success for language acquisition. People who are a little more flexible and understand that they're not going to speak the language perfectly or more likely to become fluent in a language. And I think mm-hmm. it's also about fluent, being coming fluent culturally. Mm-hmm. And, and it's true for the state of Israel. Wow. Very well put. Um, you, you said you, the one thing we did not mention, neither of us have mentioned this, uh, uh, as well as being flexible. And it's not just with the language; it's not just with the culture. It's it's really in your attitude. Okay, it's really in your attitude and everything. Um, things happen very quickly here. I've always said that. I've always felt that. Just you see developments happen. Um, you know, like we just said, you see a bar of sand, and the next day it's it's a city it pops up right in front of you. People move. People, you know, who maybe you have a landlord and they get up and go. People, even in Israel, even in Israel, they jump around. They do. They move. Uh, people change jobs. It's a very fast society, very exciting. And um, nobody really, you know, there's nobody has time to be angry for long. You know, there's no room or time to hold a grudge. You know, <laughs> you're going to run into these same people another time in your life. The one that you had a fight with, you know, you've got to just go on. Um, and so when you're making these choices and making your friends, and Mark, jump in any time, okay? Um, you're there, right? Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, there's a maturity to your comment that says that sometimes you get something happens to you, you get rejected from a university or a job, and it's, like, devastating because that was your dream. And then over, oh, 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 like, five years later, you realize, oh, it was such a blessing. Um, and I think that sometimes a, men- a North American mentality can be very, very rigid about the road to success. You need to hit these milestones and that makes you a success. Israel is very, very flexible and people are very swift and they move around and they measure success more fluidly. So I think that the more, the more that you can understand that and, 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 and measure your success by your milestones, not necessarily society's milestones, I think that's a big attraction for a lot of people because they realize sure. that the goal of education is, is different. The cost of education they know is different. But the goal of education difference, I, I tell people that I was in Ghan with and, and they, it was bring, bring your parent to bring your parent to Ghan. And the most popular dad there was this uh, was it was a garbage truck guy. And he was he was he, he thought he was better than me, you know, and, I, and like, you know, and how successful he was. 
and all the kids loved him the most when they, when they went around the room, wanted to ask him questions. And I asked, you know, how many people are working in the in, in their in their in their kindergartens in America to have people working in sanitation? There's a sense of of of, of equality here and a quality of life that is very, very high. And it really brings out, I think, the best of the Jewish people when you when you have that combination. Wow. Very, very, very exactly. Exactly. I, I used to think it was so um, I, I just loved that you can. You don't have to have those same standards. You just wipe them away. I mean, the old world standards, you can just wipe them away. And, it's hard. And- it's, it's, it's hard for people to let go of dreams. It's interesting. People always ask me, is, your, is my mom going to make Aliyah? You know, she just turned 80. Uh, God bless her. And okay. and she, she had her plan, her dream. And you know, her dream involved retiring and spending time in Florida. And that was that was her dream. And thankfully, she's able to do that. It's hard to change your 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 life's dreams and expectations. So if you thought you were going to be the top doctor at, you know, at, at this hospital, it's hard to suddenly be like, wait a minute, I want to turn my dream to be something else. Um, it takes an adjustment. It takes a, it, you have to decide to be flexible, to decide to to make that turn. And I think that's one of the pre-alia processes that people have to go through. Yes, they'll, they'll, they'll finish out the application or they'll get everything ready, mm-hmm. but they have to really make that adjustment to say, okay, you know, is this is this what I want to do? Is this is this the choice that I'm making for myself and for my family? And and be totally um, complete to be shalem with that, with those type of decision. And that no, that's, is a, that, that's a recipe. No, that's very uh, hard. I, I don't think that's even possible. I mean, you, you can't do that unless you're on the ground here and it's actually happening around you. You know what I mean? Like, that's just. Uh, I think I, that, I, I, th- I think you're right. It, it is definitely hard. It's possible to do a pre-alia. For some people, it only hits them afterwards. Uh, and and therefore they, they realize it. And for some people, they realize that it, you know they thought they could and they can't. And they say, you know what? I, I not knowing that I'm making seven figures or six figures for my salary, I, th- I thought it wasn't going to be a big deal. Then you know it's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for me to sit with parent teacher meetings and I don't understand what they're saying right away. Right. It's very know. humbling. It's, it's, a- it's that's the that, that, that the humility about it really is possible, which is a part of the immigration process. You speak to people who immigrate to America, they say they were absolutely humbled to be, you know, to be a, a top scientist in their country. And then people think that they're a blubbering fool because they can't speak, they, they can't speak English clearly. And mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm that way here. And I have the confidence already to know that I have an accent and I, I'll make a mistake, especially with the numbers. The numbers are very, very confusing here. Um, num- numbers have genders and it's very, very hard to match them up. Uh, but it's it's with that humility allows for people to really see it. So the more that they begin to process this, and this is like why well, I, I love being on shows like this, so people can hear it before. It's not it's the, 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 it doesn't hit them the first time when they're here. They've heard it. They're processing. It will hit them. It's like a wave of experiences. <laughs> uh, and we talk. We uh, people. I mean, we don't talk about it, but people talk about Aliyah. There's called there's something called the miracle of Hanukkah. You bring your children in August or July, and by Hanukkah they're speaking Hebrew. Uh, fluently, it's not yeah. always the it's not always the first Hanukkah. It might be the second Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you have to understand that it's, it's waves of experiences that 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 bring you in. And sometimes it's the two year mark where families sit back and say, "Wow, that was really really tough." It's amazing. And that's where we can sit back and say, "Wow, it, it the payoff." We see the payoff for this time at at the end of the second summer. Um, and and then you ask them you, you ask them in the fourth year, like, "Oh yeah, the first year was great. We did X Y and Z." Like. That's not what you really said the first year. You know, there's ups and downs. Like, oh yeah, it was normal stuff. And it's it's so you have to have that perspective of that. It's it's going between the micro and the macro, 
And that's part of the dance of this is make sure that you have your macro values of what you're doing, what's driving you. And then the micro stuff, like you said, the birth certificate and the passport, and you, you know what you're doing to make sure that you're going to achieve your goals. Well, yeah, you, uh, you're hitting on a lot of very um, heavy topics. Okay. We, we can't cover them all today, but the paperwork, let me just say, is something that's going to just be behind you. And that has nothing to do with your life here. Once you're here, you got to dig in. And when you see these changes, like Mark just said, the miracle of Hanukkah, you see your, you hear your children speaking Hebrew fluently by your first Hanukkah, your second Hanukkah. Forget that. You, you're going you're gonna to hear your children having conversations and you're not going to understand them. Um, and you're going to talk about humbling. You know, you're, you're, you're uh, old school. They're going to make fun of you. That's it. That you're the immigrant, and that's why that's yeah. why that word is. I think I, I like to bring it up in this conversation because it's it has a certain connotation of you know funny accent that makes weird food. You know, dresses a little bit odd. You know, you buy you know, buy my clothes. You know, in 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 certain stores in America, and then your kids are like, oh, they they can they can tell that you're American by the way that you're dressed. Yep. Your, yep. your kid, your, your so, but that's fine. You can lean into that, and some people don't. Some people they they Hebraicize their name and right. they get the accent, which is also a great choice for people. But sure. you have you have, you have to learn how to navigate that. But I say that, say as someone who I got married here and I, I have children here, thank God, is that I, my my hope is to give my my kids the best of both worlds, and I give them I gave them fluent English, you know. So now that they, they did really well on on their English grades this year in school. But they really take the best of of of, of both worlds, and and we ho- always hope that the next gen- the next generation is a better version than ourselves. And so too that if you're going to make a move that's hopefully going to bring you up, uh, Professor Ruth Weiss always says that immigrants always move to a country that they think their life is going to be better. And I think that's also true for Aliyah. People yeah. come here. People come here because they made a choice that they think they're going to have a better life here. Not to say life in North America was bad, but they feel as if there's going to be a value that's a little higher than their life was in North America. Yes. And I think they're right to think that. I think it is absolutely true. No matter where you live here, no matter where. And that's one thing we didn't talk about. We'll do it quickly. We have, I think a few more minutes, but in Israel, every neighborhood is a Jewish neighborhood and the choice is just amazing. So you don't have to go to the Modi'in, Ranana, Efrat places. You can go somewhere else and you will find friends. Even if, you know, you don't find English speaking friends, you'll find friends, you'll get by and, and you'll find people and, and places here are just, just, I mean, I live in Susia. Uh, there's one other American here. Uh, we on, on purpose did not go to an English speaking place. We didn't have any friends who had moved to Israel. So I even didn't even know about these places. I, I had never heard of Gush Etzion, Mark. Okay. Isn't that funny? Um, wild. It's wild. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a practical person also because I've been with Nefesh for 14, 14 years. 80% of the uh, people from North America are going to move to the Modi'in, Beit Shemesh, Renana, Jerusalem, greater area. That's where 80% of the people are always going to move to that, that block. I'm fascinated by the 20 because that's really the, those people are really changing it. Because the, the moment you move to a place like outside Be'er Sheva or you to go to Harish, or up in Carmel, and there are five more English-speaking families, and the next year there's six more that come, it suddenly changes the feel for people to realize that, oh, there are two other English speakers in the school. Oh, that, that, that makes the difference for it. No one, very few people want to be the only English speaker in their elementary school. 
it's it's it, the, the school doesn't know how to handle someone moving from Los Angeles. So th- th- that that's a fear also. But the the moment they know that there's one or two, it suddenly becomes an opening of an opportunity for people who are looking for those type of places. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, and, you're and we right. see and we yeah. see and it's one of the good things that comes from the rising housing prices. It's pushing people for creative solutions. It's pushing yeah. people to suddenly develop English-speaking neighborhoods in Beersheba and, right. and to see what's happening. And for and Gush, Gush Yetzion is very full, and it's pushing people to say, okay, where else? What other what other yeshuvim? What other neighborhoods are we going to go to? And suddenly they're 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 breaking out of their comfort zone, and and they're reaping the benefits for that. Yeah, yeah. And they're and, and you know it's okay not to be so comfortable. It's okay to be brave. It's about being brave. Um, you said something earlier. I. I a lot of Americans are followers and we really need some leaders here. And when you come here, you can be a leader. And if you were not a leader before, don't be afraid to be a leader here. Israel needs, we need them. And um, it's a fresh start here in a lot of ways. And, you know, uh, we didn't say this either, but Hebrew, I'm going to say it, you know, don't wait till you're 55 years old and you come to Israel, and then you take Ulpan. There is no excuse. You should start. You should listen to Hebrew songs. You should get some Hebrew books. You should read Hebrew children's books. Practice and start to learn a very low level. Get a teacher. You know, learn, start. Don't wait. Don't wait. Because a language makes your life a lot easier here. And you'll you really advance if you can communicate. Mark, yeah, I'll, you only, any... I'll only add on that. It's, it's a very good point. Um, Israel, Israel's poet laureate, Chaim Nachman Bialik, says that um, ki- uh, reading in translation is like kissing through a veil. You miss the essence of a kiss. So the more that you learn the language, like you said, even it's through songs or movies and TV, books, songs, all those things, allows you your, your curiosity and impression to change. It, and then you'll suddenly feel, and it's amazing that it started happening to me, Suddenly, you feel that you understanding some of the sentiments that people say, whether it's right. two word sentences, you 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 get the gestalt yeah. of what they're trying to say. And then you, sometimes you can connect with people just because you have that commonality of that cultural language. But you have to lean into it. You really, you, do. you really I encourage you do. You. And, and it could be such a small difference. And maybe this it could be this difference between thinking people are angry or knowing people are happy. I mean, just, you know, just how to curse you know, with a smile, like you've, you've got to um, not lean into it. You've got to embrace it and you have to love it. And it's make it like music, you know, make it a habit, make it part of your life before you come, before you come as much as you can go, you know, hang out near the uh, go, go to the kosher restaurants where Israelis go and just listen, just listen. You know, it, it's a, such a difference. My husband and I are very different with the language. I'm a lot more advanced than he is. He speaks better, more correct, but I I, uh, you know, I'm a lot more aggressive and, and I, I came here before he doesn't, um, and you can do this. You can either shut it off or you can turn, or you can listen. So, so I, I encourage all of you out there considering all that to really listen and, and enjoy listening. And Mark, you probably know what I mean. You know, I totally like, know. It. I, I tell, I tell people I was raised to be, uh, um, illiterate. I went to Hebrew school where I understand to read from the Sidor, but not understand a single thing in it. Okay, I didn't go to a Jewish day school, um, and I actually started learning Hebrew when I was in college. I took a course there, um, and then I just was in the deep end when I got here. But you can do it. You just you just have to really make a make make a commitment to yourself, and 
exercise at it often and it's it really pays its dividends it does it does and uh, start early start that you can do when you're doing your paperwork i mean that you can do before you even open a teak with nefesh benefesh that's a hobby you can you can do and and you'll build on it and one day you'll you'll use those words that you you know learned and that taped up to your wall <laughs> you know you'll learn them you'll 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 use them and they'll come in handy um mark do you have any Final words of advice you'd like to share before we go? Um, I, really, I, appreciate, I really appreciate this conversation. I, 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 I love it, even though I, you know it's it's what I, I talk about on most days. But it's it really do we get to step back and talk about bigger things? My 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 big call to uh, people is that you have to realize that this is really a personal decision, and everyone has di- different personal factors that are more important. Some people have more financial concerns. Some people have more family concerns. Some people have personal concerns, health concerns. Um, and therefore, you have to take a little dose of salt with a different piece of advice and process it yourself. Make sure that you're addressing your fears and not taking other people's fears onto you. And mm. sometimes there are really great answers to some of those concerns that you have that might make it all go away. I encourage you, if you have questions, to speak to the professionals. Come call us up at Nefesh Benefesh. We have a great team standing by at one eight six six four 866 You'll have that, that personal conversation to talk about what we've learned from helping over 75,000 people make Aliyah. Uh, and make sure that you get those resources so that you can build a great and strong plan to make your Aliyah dreams come true. What do you see, Mark, for this summer? Do you know? Do you have a number of how many people are coming from North America? Um, we're expecting, I think, just under about 2,000 people this summer. It's a really going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as I mentioned, sometimes it's almost about 55% of the people are coming in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are booking today. It's, it's, it's really approvals are coming through. Fast and furious for the people coming in the the beginning of August. So we're we're optimistic. Our staff is working very very hard because this is really really crunch time for people getting their documents in. And we still, as I mentioned before, a few people that are waking up saying, "Oh my goodness, I really want to come and I, you know, want to start college in October or I really want to mm-hmm. come and serve in the army." And we're 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 helping them rush as fast as they can to meet to meet their deadline. So there hasn't been like an increase, is what I'm hearing. You say two thousand. I know the average every year is around four thousand. We yeah, haven't so, seen, uh, you know. So we that we we had the the highest spike we had was at the end of twenty twenty one where we had four thousand two hundred, and last year we had just under four thousand. Um, what we're seeing is a, a higher conversion rate of people who are coming, whereas it used to be only about forty um, percent of the people who started their Ali applications moved through and eventually made Aliyah. Um, which is still quite remarkable. You know, I was thinking about people, and if, if any of these baseball fans, if you if you hit the 300, you go to the Hall of Fame. So we, we're we're seeing that inc- that number go up to 45 percent and almost 48 percent of the people who are starting who, who are coming. So we're seeing a, a higher quality of people who are who are moving, and a big factor of that is um, the changing employment scene that people are coming with the, with their with their online jobs and and working in Israel. Wow, the numbers are still just so low. I'm just, <laughs> you could see my face. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's, it, it, I don't understand. I don't know what they're waiting for. So I, mean, I can say that it's, it's, all, it's all about perspective. 20, 23 years ago, there were about 1,600 coming a year. Mm-hmm. So to, to see that 4,000 4, plus are coming a year I, is, is very much remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- there's a lot of people that have a lot of factors going on. And I think that, it, it, to see a trend happening, you have to really see uh, all all the factors that are that are people are talking about the changing cost of higher education in America, 
um, what's happening to higher education as an increasing opportunity. We're seeing uh, there's a lot of the schools here are seeing our increasing enrollment of students who are not making Aliyah but coming to study in Israel. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we are seeing a lot of different factors that are coming. Um, the amount of people coming to study when they're 18 for a gap year program is increasing. So yeah. the, the, there are there are complicating factors. I don't think that we fully have come out of all of the the, the effects of the COVID lockdowns and how mm-hmm. that changed people's patterns. But we're 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 doing our best to, to make sure that everyone who wants to come is going to have all the resources to do so. Yes, I know you are. That's that's uh, you know that's that is you you're it. You know you're the address, um, and you're making it happen. You're making people's dreams come true. And call it a vote. You know, thank goodness for nefesh benefesh. Um, thank you so much for your time and sharing your perspective. And if any of you have questions, can you just shout out that that one uh, eight hundred number again? I had never heard that before. Sure, it's one eight six six four Aliyah. Like the number four. Yeah, the number four Aliyah. And my personal email, like, please contact me, is Mark M A R C at nbn.org.il, which is our website, nbn.org.il. Encourage you to be in touch, and our, our team is thrilled um to have these conversations it is the the best to have those those first those first conversations because it really uh can spark a really uh beautiful future sure for sure um and you could have a very beautiful future here thank you mark thank you so much i didn't even i feel so terrible i didn't ask you anything about where you live or what your story is just quick we have like you know 45 seconds where do you live when you made aliyah what happened to you i live in southern jerusalem i moved here i I, i'm a jerusalem i moved to jerusalem i married a jerusalem girl Mm. Um, and it's hard to get her out of the city, so we live in we live in the city here. I'm blessed with five uh, wonderful children. My oldest has graduated high school this year, and mm-hmm. my youngest is my youngest is uh, finishing third grade next week. Nice. Um, and we're going to do our homework. We're going to I'm going to go help him finish his English homework soon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Modern dad. Okay. Thank you all for listening. And if you do have questions, please reach out to me, Natalie, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And if you have specific questions from Mark Rosenberg from Nefesh Benefesh, I will pass those questions on to him. Have a great week, everyone, and keep listening.